Hello and welcome to our latest COVID-19 captive special episode. This is the fourth in the series and having previously addressed potential claims activity on the PNC side, the impact on investment portfolios and implications on board meetings and economic substance. This time we are going to be discussing the exposure to coronavirus faced by captive employee benefits programmes. Joining me to really get into this today is Mark Cook, director at Willis Towers Watson and someone widely seen as the leading figure on international employee benefits programmes and captives. Our discussion addressed the exclusions insureds need to be mindful of, the flexibility that captives can provide and the balance multinationals are having to strike between looking after their staff while managing exposure to the captive. As ever, more information on Mark and useful resources can be found in the episode description. And remember that you can subscribe for free to the Global Captive Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox if you're on Android or any other podcast platform. Mark began by explaining the types of policies that are likely to be impacted by the global pandemic. It's a good question. Not straightforward. We've got local policies and you have international policies. So thinking locally, life policies, group life, most of uh, the listeners, companies will, will provide group life policies to their employees around the world. Obviously, people dying of COVID-19, there's going to be an impact. So we're looking at an increase in the death rate on those policies. So a client of mine, for example, has out of its workforce globally has two confirmed deaths and 24 people confirm positive, some of them in intensive care, mm. so a big impact. Um, other policies, sick pay. If you think about many companies' policies, this is typically many countries self-financed, paid out of the, paid out of the till, people go off sick uh, until a period of time when disability kicks in. There's an impact there. Lots of people are in isolation. Lots of people can't work. Some countries, US, great example, don't pay on day one of sick leave. Many companies will have a zero payment. There's an issue there. Do we subsidize that? Lots of people. We have France, very different on sick pay, short-term disability, sometimes insured. It's the insurance policy. So lots of different dynamics there on sick pay. Disability is an interesting one. We've been talking a lot, or I've been talking a lot about disability and impact on this policy. Um, many companies listening to this would have group disability plans. If we particularly look at the the more traditional disability plan that pays out over a number of years, so not lump sum, so many markets are still on those traditional pieces, we think there's going to be a big impact. And the reason is mental health claims are going to increase after this period. We think mm. um, musculoskeletal claims will increase. Home working, great example. People aren't set up as they should be. We think disability claims are very much sensitive to the economic activity. Uh, so if you think about 2008, 2009, and you look at the, dis the financial crisis and you look at the plans, disability plans post that, incidents went skyrocketing. And we also think that, and my disability experts tell me this as well, that actually disability plan pricing is probably artificially low. So we think there's going to be an impact on disability plans. And then you've got your medical bit of a debate going on on this at the moment. I see many countries, state systems taking over the response to COVID from a medical perspective. perspective. Hmm. UK is a great example of that. We see many healthcare plans not doing, not paying out lots of claims because no one can get claims reimbursed. No one can go for surgery. No one can go for that operation. 
there's going to be a backlog. There's going to be a waiting list, let's say next year. So this year claims good, potentially. Next year, well, what's going to happen? So we have some insurers saying refund this year. We have some insurers saying, let's look at a profit sharing, but over two years, we don't think next year is going to be good. So that's an interesting dynamic, medical as well. And then if you think about all those classifications of risk, expat plans, international plans, typically there's no exclusion. So they will be, they will be hit in certain areas as well. So big impact, Richard, depends on the line of risk. Thanks, Mark. That's really a really good uh, broad insight as well, you know, showing us a much bigger picture of not just the here and now, but what we can expect in six months, 18 months down the line as well. So coming on, you've touched on a bit of that exposure to the captives already. So how much exposure are you expecting captive EB programs to have to COVID-19? Good question. So my sort of my ramble on the first question wasn't necessarily <laughs> captive related. It's, it's it's anything, right? Policies. Yeah. If we if we think no captive and somebody has an exclusion in a policy, a life policy, then there is a there's a question there. Does the local subsidiary pay out for that death claim to the family? Does the group step in and foot the bill? There's a question there. If you have a captive, and there is an exclusion, there are other things we are seeing. And I'll come on to that. I don't think mm. we. I don't think I can tell you. That's the exposure, Richard. You can't, you can't because yeah. this, this, this will depend on the employer, the parent, what lines of benefit they have in a captive. So, for example, we know some captives just have a life and disability. We know some captives have everything, medical, and medical is a big chunk of their, their exposure. So what lines do they have? What countries are in there? What exclusions do they have or do they not have? which is an important piece to this. So we'll come on to that a little bit later, I think. Just to help sort of think about this question, we did a research piece in the last 10 days. We're actually compiling results now, so it's not out there. But um, I can give you some headlines. What, um, yeah. So this is 50 EB captive owners um, provide, uh, provided their thoughts on the COVID-19 response for them. So most of them said, yes, it's going to impact my business. Most 90% said, we think it's going to impact our employees' health now and in 12 months' time. So over that 12-month period, that's quite an interesting stat. Let's say two-thirds, three-quarters said they believe healthcare costs are going to go up in response to this. And they also said, that there was another interesting stat, that 77% of respondents, of those 50 EB captive owners with global EB and their captives, they actually said that they had gaps in cover. So there's a risk, there's exposure there for them. That's quite a big number. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate that insight, Mark. And what we'll do is when that is available, that, that research piece, we'll share that ourselves um, and we'll put that into the episode description as well, Mark. So we'll add that in for people to look out for when it is available. So let's get into the exclusions then, particularly, Mark, as we've touched upon them. What are the relevant exclusions that insureds and the captives themselves need to be mindful of? It's a, the key one is a pandemic. That, so is there a pandemic exclusion in your policy wording? Talked um, and with your Emic hat, there was a there was a discussion on Monday. I've been involved in WTW. Willis Towers Watson has done some research in exclusions across the world. This is important, and we've given a view on where we think it's typical and where we think it's not. Um, and what we're trying to say is, in these markets, you're you're going to be okay, or in these markets, you may have a problem. If we if I just take a few examples, if we think about Europe, and we think about whether life disability medical policies have exclusions or not we typically see they don't in most countries except eastern europe and except southern european countries like italy greece 
Spain. So those are the countries typically we're seeing companies having to think about, okay, if we do have a death, what do we do? If we look at other markets, if I think about US, Canada, expat, international power, that bucket of yeah, developed markets, there's no exclusions across any of those benefits, typically. If I think about LATAM, LATAM has typically lots of exclusions on pandemic. So lots of, exclu- lots of these policies will not pay out. And this is across Venezuela, Chile, Brazil, etc. So I have a client who has big exposure in Brazil. They've, they've calculated the potential liability that will fall on them. And they've decided the captive will pay if a lot of people die in Brazil. And the, the reason I'm highlighting Brazil for them is they've, because they have management people there. They have them on US dollar contracts, US style benefits. It's quite a biggie for them. So it's an outlier. But they've mm. gone through, okay, they've done their own map of the world and said, these are the countries with exclusions. Um, and there are other regions as well. Africa is a region that has lots of exclusions to be wary of. Um, APAC is generally okay in terms of it's quite green in terms of no exclusions. There are countries in particular on the medical that have exclusions. If I think about what it was, Australia, Indonesia, Philippines, they have, they're pretty much red on those. The important yeah. thing here, uh, Richard, is every company needs to do this map for themselves and should have done this map for themselves. Well, again, Mark, what I'll do, if you're happy for it to be on there as well, I'll share that link as well to that uh, to that kind of mapping that you did. I've got that and we'll put that in the episode description as well so people can find that easily. So we talk a lot about control. When we talk about the, the benefits of an employee benefits program um, backed by a captive, um, is that real control piece that we, we talk about as one of the, the main advantages. So how flexible in this kind of situation, how flexible can a captive international employee benefits program be? to um to the insured yeah it's a great question so this is this is something that i personally consult on this 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 this, this very question especially at the moment so seeing quite a lot of interest in allowing more access if that's the right word to employee assistant programs and telemedicine facilities um, across the globe. So people that are running the captive programs, the risk guys, the HR guys, using the captive model to more deploy those those services. Many companies have EAP, very few companies and captive models, but very few have a global, truly global coordinated offering. Uh, and I see that people are pushing this. So the EB captive owners are pushing this. So the access to EAP and telemedicine is, is, is a biggie and probably the number one. If I see the, you know, what are people trying to do? There's another one around, okay, we have exposure. We've done our map. We're going to either put in place an Excratia claims policy or we're going to refine our existing Excratia claims policy. So some EB captives I know actually have quite a lot of Excratia claims anyway each year. So mm. this is a response as well. So to help facilitate, how do we do approve these type of claims, supporting local business, supporting the group as a whole. So that, that, that definitely, and I see that as number two, quite number one and number two, EAP, telemedicine and Excratia. I'm also seeing, okay, take, okay, we're taking a step back. We think we're going to increase pricing. Yeah, so some of the EB captives are, you know, take a view on pricing benefit risk. They see that they're already thinking about potentially looking at the increase of pricing. Uh, and then you've got things like, can we put in a top-up coverage? Can we use our mm-hmm. vendors to top up the gaps? Can we use our, can we look at a global insurance policy? 
So somebody we're talking to, a couple of companies are talking to about specific claims fund at the captive level. So a number of things in terms of how captive models are trying to support the business. Good, good to hear that it is working in practice. But I presume there's also going to have to be possibly in some cases a balance to be struck between, of course, supporting and looking after the health and well-being of their employees, which is what these programs are there to do, but also to manage the level of risk and exposure <laughs> to the program and to the captive. So are you seeing those conversations having to take place where there is actually needing to be a balance to be struck? Of course, yeah. This is the old uh, classic um, finance versus HR catch-22. Um, and mm. I shouldn't really call it a catch-22. So I've been a, a big advocate of this, 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 this discussion for many, many years. EB captive models were really they really came into being successful because of the collaboration between those two those two stakeholders um i see more now a collaboration need and you've hit the nail on the head the risk the, the, sorry the finance guys exposure the risk management etc is really important business continuity with the hr it's the people part of the discussion we had on monday was around the human capital stuff to do so what do we need to think about from the people perspective what does the company need to think about obviously exposure financing is part of it but a big part of that discussion was around companies needing to take the opportunity to communicate more and more about people first business second in this environment it's a very it's a, it's a time of very very sensitive for employees very sensitive for key talent um, so we're seeing from, I suppose what I'm trying to say, Richard, is the broader HR agenda is, is, is very important at the moment in terms of engagement and communication with employees. Um, mm -hmm. And there was quite a lot of discussion I was involved in on Monday about this. And you're right, the balance between that and the finance impact, the financial impact, and the risk impact, yeah, is, is a trick. Is, is, yeah. And so I don't think there's any quick fix answer. I just think the collaboration here is vitally important, consistent messaging, and the understanding of the exposure and helping HR communicate what they need to communicate. And then just lastly, Mark, obviously there's a there's a big role here for both the broker, uh, your side of this, but also the global networks as well. So what questions do captive owners need to be asking of both uh, the brokers and consultants, but importantly, the global networks, and I presume that the local partners? In a way, that question is a little bit of a summary of what we've talked about. One is, okay, mm. do, we know, do we know the exclusions? Is there a gap? Is there exposure network? Can you help me with that? Broker, can you help me with that? And if there is an exclusion gap, can you fill it? Can you help me fill that gap? What does that look like? Is there a cost? Can I extend what I currently have with my network insurer? Is there add-on stuff? Can I introduce EAP through you or do I need to look elsewhere? Can I look at telemedicine? Telemedicine is a lot less developed than EAP, by the way, just from a, a global capability perspective. But I think, I think it's, it's, it's methodically working through those questions and it's really understanding how do we react to an exclusion are we, are we do we need to react to it do we need to respond and fill it and if we don't at least we know it's there mark well it's been a pleasure having you on to global captive podcast as usual and thank you for coming on at such short notice thanks thanks for having me richard Well, thank you to Mark Cook of Willis Towers Watsons for joining me on our latest COVID-19 instalment of the Global Captive podcast. That has been a really valuable insight into how captive employee benefits programmes are able to respond during the coronavirus pandemic. I expect we will be taking another look at how EB programmes have performed later in this year. 
In the meantime, if you have missed any of our COVID-19 special episodes in the past two weeks, then do go back through our episode listing and give them a listen. They should be clearly signposted as COVID-19 content. The latest regular episode of the Global Captive Podcast will be returning on Sunday the 12th of April. So do look out for that and make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you next time, Captives. (laughs) 